right. You're very, you're very, very kind. <laughs> I hope you could understand it. <laughs> so uh, again, for for maybe for your church, it, maybe it doesn't. It, it's not necessarily very special per se. I mean, it's it's a good song, but for uh, for American churches to hear what Christians may sing in another language, that uh, can be special for them. And and uh, so I I hope it was a blessing. So. Well, we're going to jump right into it. I think most everybody here uh, was here this morning, although maybe there was a nursery worker. I don't, I don't know. Quick raise of hand. Was anybody was not here this morning when I preached this morning, was not in the main service? So maybe three or four of you. So just quickly, I'm Daniel Williams, my wife Marianne, and our four children, Luke, Titus, Timothy, and Hannah. And uh, we graduated from Bible college. I graduated in 2001, and she graduated 2002. We were married in 2003, and in 2004, we went to China as undercover missionaries for a little over six years. And God blessed immensely, but God brought us back to the States for some medical situations, but God is now sending us back out. And this time, we're going to the Philippines, where my wife is originally from, uh, born and raised there for 14 years and uh, things. We're going to turn to the book of Luke. We're going to jump right into the message. I am aware of the time, and uh, it's been amazing. The food was delicious. Uh, let's see, uh, sarap, mas sarap. It was good, and that, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but that rice dessert thing was really, really good, um, and uh, the, the Filipino spaghetti was good, and uh, the, the, the different things. So uh, thank you for the folks who provided that and prepared that, and uh, thank you for that. Um, but Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and again, I understand that y'all just had your missions conference uh, just a couple weeks ago. I understand that, uh, you know, y'all made some faith promise commitments for missions and things like that, and you're going to be uh, uh, maybe they're already working on the budget, but voting on the budget the first week of December. So it's coming very soon. And, you know, y'all will be deciding um, what financial resources you'll be spending for this area, but also globally uh, and things. So I do understand that, but this is what the Lord's put on my heart. And uh, this is where we're going to go. I'll make a statement first. The two greatest needs for getting the gospel around the world is manpower and money. It, that, that's it. It's simple. Okay? So how can they hear without a preacher? Okay? So they can't. I, I do. I, I'm very thankful for radio stations and TV stations and Internet uh, websites and things like that. But, and people can come to Christ through other avenues, and I hope that we're pursuing those. Just y'all having live streaming and things, those are, those are different methods. But a personal, face-to-face -face introduction of Christ, I believe, is the best way to introduce someone to Christ, okay? And those people out there, the billions, I mean, we're right at 8 billion people in this world. 
of which I, I you know, and I'm, uh, statistics uh, that I've looked at seem to indicate that probably half or more of them have never heard the gospel of Christ. And they're never going to hear unless somebody goes. Okay? And so as a Christian, you can go or you can send somebody to go for you. Now, you still have to go locally. You, you, you can't just say, well, I gave my missions and I'm done. You know, I don't need to do anything. And, and we talked about that some this morning. But right now, talking about the two greatest needs in this world are manpower and money. There's got to be people to go. There's got to be young people who will surrender to go. In a church this size, I would expect some of the young people to be seriously considering full-time Christian service. And if you're not, you should be praying sometimes or in your closet saying, God, why aren't you calling me? Because if, no, if God isn't calling anybody in your youth, youth group, then he might be calling you and you're not the one listening. So I, I'm just saying, in a church this size, there should be some young people seriously considering full-time service for God. Again, God doesn't call everyone, but he does call. So manpower and money, and, so, and then the finances to get them around. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. And we're just going to read verse, uh, chapter 15, verses 11 and 12. And for sake of time, I'll just read them. And this is the parable. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. We're going to look at these uh, two sons. There were two sons, the prodigal son and his older brother, and for a few minutes, we're going to look at these two sons, and we're going to look at the resources that their father had and, their, and the resources that their father gave them, and we're going to look at what they did with them. Let's pray. Father, please be with me in these next few minutes as we look at these two men, who I believe are two examples of Christians in many ways who... We've been given great resources by you, but what do we choose to do with them? Please be with us again. Amen. This, prodigal, this father in this parable is a type of God. He's waiting patiently for those who left to return. He will forgive and restore those who return. And he allows us the free will to stay or go. Now the father gave a great inheritance to this prodigal son. And I'm not going to read the whole story. I think all of us should know the story of the prodigal son, uh, how he took his money and went to a far country and just, just wasted it. He wasted it all on himself and his self-pleasure. And this, this, uh, this prodigal son, again, wasted his great inheritance. Now, the father also gave a great inheritance to the other son. If you look at verse 12, it says, and he divided unto them his living. So he's still alive, and he actually divides the inheritance right there and said, here you go. Now, the younger son took his all in cash, obviously, a big bag of money, and he took off. The eldest son, he had it in land and cattle and possessions and servants 
and, and things like that. And what did he do with it? Okay, he, he didn't cash it out. He didn't cash out his inheritance. He stayed on the farm and worked and reinvested it in his father and in his father's purpose. We have two choices. We can take the resources that God gives us. And if we're living in America, we are among the most blessed people on the earth. You may say, but somebody else has a better job. And somebody else has a better SUV. And somebody else has a nicer house. And somebody else has this or this or this. But if you live in America, you know that you are among the most blessed and wealthiest people in this, in the, on this planet. Uh, if you don't know that, it's because maybe you were born here and you've never left America. Because when I saw what I saw in Guatemala, when I saw what I saw in, in Mexico, when I saw what I saw in the Philippines, when I saw what I saw in, in China, those four countries had such poverty in certain areas of their country, and we're so blessed. We have so much. God has given us so much. You children and young adults, teenagers and young adults who were raised in a godly Christian home, you were given so much. You, 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 don't, you, you don't even understand what you were given. There are people sitting in this room who didn't hear of Christ until their 20s or even their 30s or even older. And, and they understand what they have. But some of us, sometimes we're just raised up in it and it's all we've ever known. We've always had parents who loved us and cared for us. You know, when I mentioned this earlier this morning, but my father, he had a bus route. And it was a 28-passenger little white bus. And he would pick up children and teenagers and, and families and bring them to church. Maybe they didn't have a ride or maybe uh, the parents worked on Sunday and so they would let their children come. Or maybe the parents just didn't go to church at all. And they were happy to let the kids get out of the house. Okay? But I'm saying I'm glad that my father took me as a young child. I can remember, I mean, I'm less than 10 years old and I'm walking with him. And we would go up to a house and we would kick the beer cans out of the way walking up to the door. Uh, and, and we'd kick the cigarette butts off the, off the porch uh, of, this, of a trailer house or something like that. And we would go into the home and I would see things that I didn't see in my home. I would see the effects of sin. I would see the neglect of a home. I'd see children saying this, wearing the same dirty clothes they had been wearing the week before, and their parents didn't even change their clothes. And I'm not saying all of them were like that, but I was able to see the effects of sin. And when we're driving down the highway and you see the billboard that's promoting alcohol, why on the backside it doesn't show the liver disease and the broken homes and the heartaches and, the, and all of the problems that that brings. And sometimes, some of us young people and young adults, we don't, we, we don't see the effects of sin. All you see is the pleasure. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And sometimes the devil just wants to show us the pleasure. But the Bible says it, the end thereof is death. Death of a relationship, death of friendships, death of finances, death of everything, and ultimately physical death, okay? And I'm so grateful to my father that, that I was able to see that, those effects at a young age. Um, but getting back here, so 
we have these two sons, the prodigal son. These, I'm going to draw, the, draw this together as because the father gave them an inheritance. Okay? They had the finances. They had the resources. And I'm going to call them stewards because they were stewards of what they had been given. The prodigal chose to waste it, and the older son chose to reinvest it in his father's work. Uh, in verse 29, it says, even though the elder son had been given his inheritance, he had not spent it on himself and his pleasures. These sons, again, are two types of stewards. The bad steward, the steward who, uh, um, who wasted his master's goods. And if you look, if you look in chapter 16, it, it continues um, in uh, ver the first two verses. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And this is directly after the prodigal son. I believe this is all connected. And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. And this was a bad steward who had wasted his master's goods and his master's resources. Now again, God has given us so much. And God expects a return on his investment. Okay? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with something very basic. Number one, if, if, number one, if you're not tithing, then you are stealing from God. And anything you throw in the offering plate is meaningless. It all starts with a tithe. A tithe is very simple. It's 10%. If you have any questions about that, your pastor can sit down. Somebody can sit down with you and show you. But it's very clearly in the Bible. Way back, Abraham tithed. His son Jacob tithed. You can find tithing all throughout. And, of course, the fam familiar passage in Malachi where God says, make sure that you do it. Uh, but it also continues throughout the Bible. So number one, the very basic. We as a Christian have got to tithe. 10% of our income, and you say, well, what is my income? The Bible calls it increase. If, you're, if you grew somehow financially, your paycheck is the obvious one, but it could be other things as well. You know, maybe you've got a, uh, you know, some stocks or something, and you cash them out, and they went up or something. Uh, however it is. You know, you've got a, a, a farm and the trees produce better this year. Whatever increase God gives us, 10% of that belongs back to him. And it's, 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 it's not really, it's a tithe really isn't something that we give to God and say, well, God, you, you asked for this, and so I guess I'll give it to you. It's really, uh, one way to put it is you, it's your rent for living on God's earth. It's your rent for breathing God's air. It's your rent for the very body that he gave you. So giving your tithe, that's a command. That's a command, and if you're not doing it, there is a curse. The Bible says you're cursed with a curse. Okay, so just that's the basic, and I'm not going to dwell on that any, anymore. But if anybody doubts what I'm saying, I'm, I'm going very quickly. If you doubt what I'm saying, schedule an appointment with one of your pastors. They'll be happy to sit down with you and show you what the Bible says about tithing. Because without tithing, you're never going to get the blessings that are available to you through the offerings. Because the offerings is totally voluntary. 
You could give $1 a year, or you could give $10,000 a year, or $100,000 a year, or whatever you want to give. The offering is any amount of money that you choose to give back to God, uh, just showing him love and devotion and care. And that's uh, the faith promise. That's a missions offering. That is something above your tithe, and that is something you're reinvesting your financial gains into eternal rewards. Now, God does bless us back. And there's a principle, and, and you know, there's a principle that you, you really can't outgive God. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving fast, but whatever you pour out to God, he says, I'm going to use the same measuring cup back. I've got the little teaspoon. Let me put the little $2 in the offering plate. Okay. You know, God's like, okay, well, you know. Or I've got the big old barrel. I've got the big cup, the big barrel, whatever. I, I want to get pull up a dump truck because I want God to pull up his dump truck. And his blessings are not always financial, but they're always good and they're always better. I mean, what price is your health? What price is, is, is children that don't stray? I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no price. And I'm not, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. What I am saying, there's a curse on those who don't tithe, and there's a blessing on those who, who have tithed and then choose to give offerings. And I hope all of you participated in the missions giving. And the budget's, the budget's not finalized, though. Your pastor would not turn you down if you said, you know what, I want to up my missions giving. He, he wouldn't say, no, 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 wait for another year. He'd be like, oh, it's, we can still get that in the budget. <laughs> so, again, do we want to be a good steward or do we want to be a bad steward? Um, Christ provides for us financially for the purpose of furthering his work. Christ provides for us financially for the purpose of furthering his work. Now, God understands we've got bills to pay. God understands that. But compare, and I may step on some of your toes, but compare the bills that you have now to the bills you had when you first arrived in America 10 years ago. You know, when my wife, when her father came to America, he lived with, uh, he lived in a, with some relatives or uh, in a very small room for a couple years, and he saved every penny he could possibly save because he was trying to help his family. He loved his family. He wasn't even saved, but he wasn't spending it on, on himself. And so his bills were very low. But I've seen so many people come to America, and over the years, 10, 10 15 years later, they're no longer helping the people that they came over here to help, and they gripe at those people for asking them for money. And, 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 and we say, but I've got so many bills. And we look at it. Well, it's the cable bill and the Netflix bill and the Amazon bill and, and all of these things that maybe they're useful, but are they necessary? You know, I, okay, yesterday on the, dry, on the drive over here, the, yesterday morning, I was getting a little tired. So I'll admit, I stopped at Starbucks and I got me a Starbucks. Okay, did I need that? Did I need to spend the five bucks on a, on a coffee? And I probably would have survived. And I, and I don't stop at Starbucks a lot. But is there someone here who lives at Starbucks? 
I mean, can you get anything for under five bucks there? I mean, I don't know. But if you just say five bucks, if you went there twice a week, that's $10. You know, could your missions giving have been $10 a week higher if you had been willing to deny a little bit of yourself? And I'm talking to myself, too. You know, I give to missions also, but maybe, but my missions at my church, we're going to, uh, it'll be in January when we recommit, and, I'm, and I'm, I've already been praying about that um, and things. But I want to be a good steward for God. I want to be a good steward. I want to be the faithful steward. Um, I want to make sure it's. I feel like I'm on the wrong page here. The faithful steward. When, when God blesses us financially, say with a bonus or a raise, what's our first thought? Oh, I can get that new car. Oh, I can take that Alaskan cruise. Oh, let's, you know what? Let's pull up those remodeling plans again. Or is, our, or is our first thought, thank you, Lord, for this blessing. Is there anything that you would have me do with this money to further your work? I mean, it was an unexpected blessing. And yes, all of us could use, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nobody here who would turn down an extra $5,000 or something. Just, just whatever, any blessing from, any financial blessing. There's nobody here who would turn it down. But what is our first response? Is our first response gratitude to the, to the one who gave it to us and then asking him back, did you give this to me for a purpose to use for you? I've heard this so many times, but God will give through you what he will not give to you. I've heard this so many times from people. God will give through you what he will not give to you. And uh, my, my pastor has said this many times. And it's just, when God gives us a blessing, is he testing us to see, you know what? Can I trust them to reinvest this in my purposes? Now, he knows if we have a need. And if we have a need, I mean, our hot water heater just broke, our furnace broke, and he provides a blessing, it's probably there to fix your hot water heater. But if you're doing fine and an unexpected blessing and an unexpected windfall comes your way, God may be giving that to you for, a perp for one of his purposes. The church may have a program. I mean, I, I heard that Y'all would love to expand, and I can agree. That would be a big blessing. And, and I, I didn't ask the pastor, but I hope that some of you, I hope that the church has been started a building fund. Because if that, you know, if the, if the, if the councilman or whoever's in charge of it finally vote and say, okay, we're going to approve, you can build a second floor, and then you're like, uh, well, uh, we don't have any money, so uh, we'll come back in 20 years. When I mean, like, like <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I will say, it, you know, why should God, uh, uh, when did God bring the load of fishes there in the Gospels? It was after they put the nets in the water. Because before that, they were like, Lord, there's nothing here. 
but you commanded, so okay. And then suddenly, boom, the blessing. Are you prepared to receive the blessing? And that, that's a different message there. But I hope that y'all are prepared. I would love to visit this church again and see a second floor with a, a large sanctuary and maybe this divided up into classrooms or whatever. I would love to visit that here in the future and see what God has blessed y'all. But God may be blessing some of the individuals in here for the purpose of setting, setting that aside for something like that. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is what is our first response? Is our first response, oh, thanks, God, I'm going to go spend this. Or is it, Lord, thank you. Would you please show me if you have a plan for these, for these resources? Um, always be thankful and show your gratitude to God for his blessing. If my children are never appreciative for me when I stop for ice cream or Italian ice or something or a treat or something, then how likely am I going to be stopping in the future? I mean, they may. there's a difference between nagging, nagging me, like, Dad, we want ice cream all the time, and there's a little difference between when I do give it to them that there's a true gratitude and appreciation. And God wants to see that true gratitude and appreciation for the blessings he's brought into our life. Um, Going back to Luke 15, talking about the elder son for a minute. I'm going to call him the good steward. The elder son accepted his father's division of the inheritance. If you look at 11 and 12, it, it, I mean, he doesn't, the younger son is the one pushing uh, the, the father, saying, gimme, 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 and the, and, it, and the father did divide it, but you don't see the elder son anywhere. So he's obviously agreeing. Uh, when God gives a Christian brother a blessing, do we get upset and envious? God, why did you bless them? You know, I could have used that. Why did he get that raise? You know, I, I, that could have been good for us. Make sure that we're not getting envious and upset over God blessing someone else. Um, Accept the financial situation which God has given you. The elder son kept all of his inheritance in, in the father's care. The prodigal took it all for himself. The elder son worked hard and thereby grew his in inheritance. By the end of the story, his inheritance is even larger. He stayed in the Father's will. In verse, 30, in verse 31, it says, Son, thou art ever with me. It's very clear that the elder son stayed in the Father's will. The prodigal left the Father's will and actively went against him. The Father had everything for the elder son that he could want or need, and God has everything that we could ever want or need. But the prodigal lost everything until he came back to the father. See, the elder son reinvested in the father's work and gained everything. The prodigal put everything in himself and ended up with nothing. The choice, will we be unjust stewards who waste our Lord's goods, live for ourselves, and end up with 
little or nothing? I'll read another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And verses 1 and 2, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In the context, going back one chapter, Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, in the context, this is speaking of both soul winning and finances. It's speaking of both of them. And, it, and that's where it comes back to the whole situation. Manpower and money. So will we be the unjust stewards, investing in ourselves and living for ourselves? Or will we be the faithful stewards investing heavily in the Lord's work, living for Christ, and ending up with many, many eternal rewards? What more could this church do for Christ? What if, you know, what if you had the money in the bank just to build, to build it right away? God doesn't send everyone out to the mission field, but if he is not sending you out, then you've got to be, you've got, if he's not sending you, then you've got to be sending someone with your finances. Thank you so much for your about 100 missionaries. I can see your heart for missions. I'm not questioning your heart for missions. What I'm asking is, are we doing all that we can and should be doing for the Lord in, the, in this matter of finances? Are we? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for this time, Lord. We looked at this story where I believe we can see an example of two stewards. A bad steward who took all the money, spent it all on himself and his pleasures, and thought nothing of your will. And the, and the good steward who reinvested in his father's work and gained everything. Father, may we Christians here choose to be the good steward. May we choose to invest heavily in your work. And maybe, maybe everyone in this room is already investing heavily in your work. But may we examine ourselves and say, could we do more for you? Could we do more for you? I think the answer will be yes in many cases. Father, in my own life and those, the lives of those here, encourage us to be the good steward. We ask this in your name. Amen.